You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. You're listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on The Sports Objective. Join Coach C, the USA Strength and Conditioning Hall of Famer, every Monday night to see in a variety of guests, including former players, former and current coaches, pastors, and others will discuss relevant issues in coaching today's athlete with the goal of equipping the athlete and those coaching them with the physical, mental, and spiritual armor necessary to live their best life. Here's Coach Connors. Uh, welcome to Absolute Empowerment with Jeff Connors. Uh, tonight's a very special show because we have uh, two former ECU athletes who happen to be married to each other. <laughs> and uh, uh, we want to tell the story of how these two collegiate athletes uh, met, fell in love, and created a successful future together uh, in both their careers and their family. And we, we love to tell stories like this uh, because it sets such a great example for, for other athletes and for other individuals who are thinking about getting married and raising a family the right way. Uh, so welcome to the show, uh, Richard and Danielle Kuntz. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It's yes, a pleasure. And I had uh, the experience of coaching these young folks a little bit, so I know a little bit about them. And uh, they represent East Carolina probably the best way that you could possibly represent a university in relationship to uh, what they did with their education, what they did athletically. And so uh, what I'd like to do first is just to have uh, each of you uh, go through your athletic career. Uh, go ahead and start in grade school, junior high, wherever, <laughs> and talk a little bit about uh, what you accomplished through high school, how you ended up at East Carolina, and then some of your accolades. And uh, so, Danielle, if we could start with you, that'd be awesome. Okay. Yeah, so, um, you know, I come from a family of athletes and, you know, born and raised in eastern North Carolina, Roseboro. North Carolina and Sampson County. So um, grew up as a country girl, um, playing all types of sports with my cousins, my siblings. Um, we actually probably loved baseball the best because we would play outside in the yard and you could play all day. Um, and then we kind of moved on to uh, basketball. But my grandfather, uh, they, they were baseball fans, pitchers, loved, loved playing baseball. And um, but basketball was was our sport. So um, I, I can't remember a time when I didn't enjoy playing basketball. I did not really think about playing in college. You know, um, we just enjoy the game. But I'm also the sibling. So my older sister, she set the stage. Um, she went to NC State. Um, she had a very illustrious professional career. And um you know, she was 6'3 in the ninth grade, maybe 6'4. And so we started, uh, no one was coming to um, Roseboro to look at women's basketball, put it that way. Yeah. Um, you know, my mom said we were going to college, period. You know, we didn't really know anything about getting scholarships. Um, we knew we were going to go to college because that's what she told us. And books came first in our household. But, um, you know, I, it was funny. My sister, you know, we we grew up in the era when you played all sports, you know, so 
Um, I'm not really accustomed to this new style where the kid is eight years old and they're already focusing on one sport for the rest of their life. So um, (laughs) my sister was actually playing softball and um, she was running the bases and a person in the stands saw her running and said, man, she runs like a gazelle. You know, she's six three and she's running. And he called NC State and said, there's a player down in Roseboro you need to come check out. And um, by him doing that, that just brought the attention to me because, um, you know, we started um, our practices. We started having coaches showing up to our practices to check out my sister. I was a freshman at the time. I wasn't thinking about anything but just just playing and having fun. But we winded up winning the state championship and we started getting serious, you know, once the letters started pouring in and people started talking to my parents and say, you know, these girls can play. Um, you know, we started getting serious about the game. So I knew probably by my junior year, I knew that I was good enough to play after high school. I just wasn't sure on what level, um, you know, because again, and I think this is still the case to, the case about Eastern North Carolina. Um, it's just not a basketball mecca. Um, even though there's great, great athletes. So we still had a lot of people, even with my sister. Well, she'll go to state, but she probably won't play. If she goes to Chapel Hill, she probably won't play. You know, she's from a 1A. We were playing 1A school, so we were very small. Um, and then, I, you know, I remember Ann Donovan. She was the coach at East, um, East Carolina in, you know, 6'8", um, walking into the gym to watch me play. I mean, it was just amazing. Everyone was staring. She, she, she couldn't hide. She was too tall. Yeah. But I just remember um, being very impressed with her and the fact that she was going to um, rebuild ECU's uh, women's basketball program. And I was going to have a big part to do with that. So it, it made the decision really easy um, to play for her. And then I knew Misty. I knew Misty before we got to college. And, um, I, you know, Misty and I actually played AAU together. We played a, a year together. So when Misty said she was going, that was pretty much icing on the cake. Well, of course, we had Misty and Jeff Carr on as well. And uh, another uh, family uh, that, that's doing extremely well and a, and a great example for uh, – anybody who wishes to, to raise a family as well. Um, so, uh, I think probably that, uh, all that one-on-one with your sister probably helped you to, to get better coming through high school, right? It did. I mean, you know, we play with the boys. Um, we never really ever played with girls until we got to college because girls just didn't play. So we would always play with our cousins. It was always a two on two, and it would be me and, and one of my male cousins against my sister and another male cousin. So we were we were used to being aggressive and we were used to being physical. Um, we also we you know we played on a dirt court, so we were really country girls. We weren't afraid. <laughs> By the time we got on a real court, it it felt like it felt like we were playing on clouds, you know. So um, we we definitely got prepared early. We we were not afraid. We didn't even know what it was to be afraid of anybody because we have been playing so long against our older brother and guys, you know, it, it was just a uh, second nature. Right. 
Now, during the time that you were at ECU, uh, how did the women's basketball uh, team do through the time you, you were there? We did. A, I'll say we underachieved in the, in terms of what Coach Donovan set out for us to do, but we overachieved and that we were able to make. Um, we went to the conference championship um, two out of my four years, um, but we didn't make it to the big dance. That was the goal. Um, but we also went through coaching changes. And, you know, I'm here to tell you, um, Coach Donovan left after my sophomore year. And then we made the transition to D Stokes. So we had to yeah. um, transition from coaches and players. When I came to ECU, um, I was one of seven players. By the time I graduated, only two of us, Misty and I, we were the only two who made it all four years. And I was the only one who played all four years because Misty didn't play our senior year due to her um, yeah. knee injury. So it was an up and down um, time. When I look at ECU women's basketball and what Coach Kim is doing, I'm really excited. Um, you know, she's got the program pointed in the right direction. And, um, you know, I like to say I contributed to that foundation. Um, but, you know, it, it really was up and down. You know, Ann Donovan at the time was probably the most decorated women's basketball player ever. Um, you know, I think she was a four-time Olympian. She was a two-time national champion. I mean, she had all the accolades. And um, the program she wanted for us um, she had, it was a big transition getting all of us to buy in to where she thought we could be. Right. Well, uh, Richard, uh, let's hear a little bit about your uh, athletic career growing up and then moving into uh, ECU and then a little bit beyond ECU. Right. So um, <clears throat> um, I grew, I didn't really grow up playing sports. I don't, my dad probably didn't care if I played sports or not. Um, he was in the military. He was 82nd Airborne. Uh, he was drafted from Vietnam, but he he never went, but he was drafted and he re-enlisted. And, you know, we traveled all over. And right. um, by the time we got back over here, you know, I, we moved back to the country and then in Jones County near my grandparents. And uh, just a little backstory between my older siblings. I'm probably the least athletic in my family. I always say that. So when we came over here from Germany, when we were living in Germany, um, the German professional team wanted my sister to stay over there because she was such a good athlete. But my dad didn't want to leave her over there. She was like we were, she was like 14 or 13 at the time. And my brother was a, always a really good athlete at going to States for track, et, et cetera. So, you know, we get over here. I didn't do much besides playing in the backyard and tackling and doing things like that, but nothing really big. Um, I remember being in middle school and wanting to play uh, rec football. My dad wouldn't let me. He just didn't feel like you should play any sports to like eighth grade. So I st finally started playing like an eighth grade. Um, I was a nose guard. <laughs> so they went nose guard and I didn't know what I was doing because I didn't really grow up watching sports. I just did the best I could. Ended up going to Southwest Onslow, which is kind of a um, got a pretty good record. Our head coach probably is one of the best winning records in the state, especially for two A. And uh, I got in trouble my eighth grade year. So my dad said, you can't play football your ninth grade year. So I didn't play my 10th grade year. I ended up playing varsity 
And my coach just came up to me one day and was like, son, you just come in the weight room and do what I tell you. I'll make sure you get a scholarship to play football. And I wasn't even thinking about it. But once he put that in my mind, I just did what he told me to do. I just showed up in the weight room and did what he told me to do and came to practices when he told me to come to practice. And and lo and behold, what he said was true by my senior year. You know, I, I was able to get a D1 scholarship. Um, but just to backtrack, my senior year, we ended up winning the state championship as well, uh, the two-way state championship. Um, it was it was quite a journey, and we were able to finish that. That was his first one, Coach Padgett's. After that, I ended up going to East Carolina. Coach McManus was my recruiter. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I had a lot of high aspirations to go to different places and I just remember whenever Coach Mack would see me, he said, you need to be thinking East Carolina football. You don't need to be thinking about nobody else. <laughs> <laughs> so he finally got me. Uh, uh, me and uh, Chris Moore, you know, Chris Moore, we always tell a story. Coach yeah. Mack told Chris Moore, he was like, if you don't accept the scholarship, I'm going to give you a scholarship to Richard Koontz. And lo and behold, he got both of us there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I ended up going to East Carolina and, uh, that was, uh, you know, that was, I think that was David Garrard's senior year. When I first got there, I was red shirted, and, you know. Yeah, I mean, you, of course, I left and went to Carolina, but you guys uh, stayed in touch with me, and I really appreciated that. Yeah. We did some training and so forth, and, uh, and you know, we've kind of been in touch ever since. But uh, talk a little bit about your uh, – uh, you're, you did a little bit of competitive Olympic lifting, right? Yes. So um, after I graduated from East Carolina, um, and then I was able to play a little bit of professional football. So um, after I graduated, um, it's, it's a crazy story, but one day I was sitting home and uh, the secretary called me from East Carolina after I graduated. She was like, where are you at right now? I'm like, I'm at home. She was like, Dan Rooney Jr. is looking for you. I was like, what? So Dan Rooney Jr., the scout for the yeah. Pittsburgh still, he called, he's like, he's looking for you. So I, I, you know, immediately call him back. And he's like, uh, I saw, I remember your pro day. And I really thought you, you were a really good athlete. He was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm working out every day. I'm still training. Um, he was like, well, I, I'm going to try to get you up here for a workout. We got a linebacker from Ohio state. And if he doesn't make it, we might be able to get you up. So, Lo and behold, he calls me a little later and was like, man, things didn't work out. You know, uh, we're not going to be able to get you up here. And uh, I remember hanging up the phone with him. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit told me to call him back. And I called him back. I said, Mr. Rooney, I said, you're the you're the owner's son. I said, obviously, you saw something in me that you would call me out of the blue like this. I said, if anybody can get me a workout, I know you can. Yeah. So he said, I'm going to call you back. He called me back. And he was able to give me a workout and uh, I was able to go up there. There was linebackers from like UVA, big schools. Yeah. I had a good uh, workout. They allocated me to NFL Europe and then I was able to get signed by them and end up being in camp with them. So right. um, that was that was that was like a big highlight for me that I had that situation. But um, I forget the question he was asking me before that. So you played in NFL Europe, right? Yes, I played in NFL Europe, and then okay. uh, I was able to go into camp with the Steelers. Right. Uh, well, uh, 
you had become a fireman, correct? <laughs> yes. Yes. And you know, my son is a fireman, paramedic, and all that stuff. He just deployed to Hawaii, the poor guy, for about <laughs> a week. So, uh, so he's, right. you know, uh, still in the reserves. Gotcha. Uh, talk a little bit about your experience as a fireman and how did you get into that? It's, I mean, it was, I, I think like all athletes go through this, it's like you're done playing and you're just trying to figure things out and you're just like, you know, trying things and seeing where you want to go. I just remember being at the barbershop and one of the guys was like, man, you ought to be a firefighter. So I just began to research it and uh, find it, find different places. And I began to go to different workouts and uh, different, they have like these opportunities where you can go and, you know, and show your talents and, and get on with different fire departments. So I was able to get on with the town of Morrisville. Um, didn't really have any relatives, anyone I knew that did it. I just wanted to go and help. Um, the town of Morrisville, you know, opened the doors and was able to send me to uh, to my boot camp. And it, it was quite an experience. I learned a lot. Uh, I learned a lot. I, I, even in the, I was there about five years and it was about five years, and I, I even in that short time, I've seen a lot of a lot of crazy things. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. it just goes to show, like you know, there are people out there that really have a heart to help people, really have a heart to serve people, and they put their you know their life on the line every day, yeah. you know, to help everybody else. No doubt. Well, you know, I I definitely have a lot of respect for that, and of course, uh, a lot of respect for my son and what he does with it. You know, he's uh he continues to uh, pursue more and more education with the Air Force and with the, the fire department. So uh, it's been it's been very impressive what he's been able to accomplish. Right. Uh, so I want to go back to uh, uh, Danielle and talk a little bit about. Uh, can you remember any challenges that you had growing up and uh, any situations? You know, talk a little bit about your faith. Uh, talk a little bit about. Uh, your family and um, uh, the spiritual life that you had and uh, how that influenced you and then possibly how it got you through some tough times here and there. Yeah. I mean, you know, my father is a pastor. He's still a pastor. So I grew up as what they call a PK, a preacher's kid. Yeah. So I, I, I tell people I was born, I was born on a church pew. <laughs> I mean, I don't remember life without, um, being in church. Um, but there's a difference in being raised in a church and having a real relationship with God. And I knew pretty early that I really wanted and I needed to have a personal relationship with God through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I can't really say that I had a, a challenging life. I think the biggest challenge for me was making the decision to live for Christ early you know, as a teenager, um, middle school and high school, I mean, that peer, peer pressure is real. Um, and, you know, just making the decision, like I'm going to live for Christ, regardless of what everyone's doing around me, um, everything that's going on and being able to make that decision early. I, I definitely think that it helped keep me from a lot of uh, obstacles, uh, it helped keep me from a lot of the traps that were being set. You know, when I think back to my high school and look back on my graduating class or just look back on, you know, there were a lot of great athletes 
um, coming out of the area, but a lot of them, you know, um, didn't get past high school, didn't get past their senior year for lots of different reasons. And I really do think it's my relationship with God that sustained me and kept me. So for me, the biggest challenge was being bold and being willing to, you know, speak the name of Christ uh, in front of my teammates, in front of my classmates. You know, I remember Misty, that's one thing she said, uh, drew her to me. We actually went to a, it was some kind of sports camp and um, it was high schools from all over the state. And that's where I met her. And she said, I stuck out to her because I led the prayer at the end of the camp. Um, I don't really remember that moment, but she was just so, she so admired the fact that I was bold enough and willing to stand up and, and lead prayer. Um, so I do that. Even though it looked easy for me, it was very hard to do those types of things because I wanted to fit in really badly. You know, I wanted to be the cool person. I wanted to fit in, but I knew the commitment that I made to um, to live for Christ at an early age. And it's really helped me just through a lot of situations, um, dealing with people, dealing with all types of environments. Um it's really true that if you commit to Christ, like he will, he won't leave you. He'll never forsake you. And it's going to be hard, but it gets easier, you know, and that's, that's one thing that I really want to leave with the kids. I just, I want them to know that them making the decision to serve God early, uh, you know, yeah, they're going to be, they're probably going to be ostracized. There's going to be some people who have a problem with it but it's going to be the best decision in the long run. And, and they're, they're going to be able to look back and look over their life and just see instances and, and opportunities where, you know, it was nothing but the hand of God that kept you in those situations. What are some of the expectations that your father had uh, within the family as you all grew up? I think the main thing, my dad, my dad was, everything came second to, to Christ and to worship and, you know, to being a Christian. I remember when we won <laughs> the state championship. I mean, this was a big deal. I don't know. I don't think any, anybody in our area had won the state championship on the 1A level. And I remember we had a, when we got back from Chapel Hill, that's where we had our state championship game. We had a police escort as soon as we crossed over the Sampson County line we had a police escort. I mean, we were just feeling like amazing, like, wow, the police is escorting our bus. And that was a Saturday night. And so, you know, we had invited several of our teammates to spend the night at our house. We were going to, you know, party as much as we could party in high school. And we were going to celebrate. And I'll never forget my dad. Um, I mean, it, we didn't sleep all night. And my dad came back, you know, back to our rooms and he said, all right, it's time to go to church. And we were looking at him. <laughs> we were looking at him like, we just won the state championship. Like, we got our friends here. Why are you embarrassing us? And he, you know, he made us all get up. Even our teammates, they went with us. And, you know, I think that really helped us to kind of balance, just balance our lives better, you know, because I, I see a lot of parents now. And, um, you know, they're just head over heels about their child's athletic gifts 
and athletic abilities. My parents, they always kept everything. They managed it really well. You know, there would be people on the outside. Oh, your girls can do this and do this and do that. But my dad always kept a level head. And um, I've really kept that with me. Um, you know, as soon as I got to ECU, I, I found a church, a church home. You know, um, it was just just by the way my father led. It let me know that there's there's something more important than the sport. And as much as I love basketball and love the sport, it really helped me to balance out my life while I was in college and even after college. And I'm hoping that we can do the same, you know, with our children, if they decide that they want to, you know, play, even if they're not playing a sport, like, you know, if they, if they want to be a video game guru, you know, you're going to put that game down and we're going to, we're going to go to church, you know, (laughs) we're going to make sure that, uh, you know, that we maintain that God is the center of our lives. Great. Love it. Yeah. Uh, Richard, you've always seemed like a very grounded individual to me. <laughs> and uh, talk a little bit about uh, growing up and what your influences were in that regard. Yeah. So I, I, me and Danielle are the same in that aspect. Like I was in the womb in church. Um, my mom is a pre as a PK my grandfather, um, he he left the Baptist denomination and started his own church. And uh, he was a very imposing figure. He was about six, seven. They would talk about how he would just have to bend over to come through the doors. And he always talked about his only prayer in life was that all his children would be saved. And that came to pass. All my aunts and uncles are saved and they have a relationship with God. And lo and behold, it's, it's going not only to that generation, but to the next generation. I think all of our cousins have a relationship with God. They declare Christ as their Lord and Savior. All of them, every last one of us. Um, So I grew up in church, even when my dad was in the military, you know, we'd be in church, you know, different uh, guys that were in the military would have different churches there. We were involved. And and when we came back overseas, I used to play the drums just like you. I played the drums for my church. <laughs> you played better than me. <laughs> so I, I, my family, um, we are uh, on my mom's side. We're a bunch of uh, singers and musicians. Like oftentimes we would go to different churches and sing or we would visit other churches. And our church was called Community Prayer House. And they were like, they would be like, Community Prayer House, uh, you're going to come up and sing a selection. And our whole church would pretty much get up and go to the stands because it was our whole family. You know, my great, my uncle played the guitar. My cousins played the piano. My other cousin could play the trumpet and viol- just and I would play the drums. And so I just grew up in church. And and I just remember, uh, you know, at a young age, <laughs> just I would I would always go to the altar calls. Like whenever they would have altar calls, I'd just be scared. And I'd just go up there like, I want to receive Jesus <laughs> Cause I was just so scared of, you know, what the preachers were saying. And I remember, I remember one time I was sitting in my room and uh, my, I said, Ma, I told my mom, I said, Ma, I just don't feel saved. And she said, I don't feel saved either. <laughs> but I think what she was just trying to explain to me was that, you know, it was not necessarily a feeling. You know, sometimes you're not going to feel it, but you just got to know and have a relationship with them. Absolutely. So, um, I, I, Man, I was I was hard headed though. Like once I left high school, you know, I was doing what I was doing, whatever. You know, I'm not even gonna lie. 
I'm I'm just being glad that we didn't have social media back in the day because I my parents would have found out a whole lot about me. But uh, I just was just doing whatever, you know, and about my junior year of college, you know, I just was tired of it because anytime I did anything that I knew I wasn't raised to do or felt like the Holy Spirit, I knew I wasn't supposed to do. I always felt bad. Like I always had a conviction. I mean, I was out there doing, you know, out with my friends doing whatever, but I never did not have a conviction about it. I just kept doing it. But about my junior year, it just became too much. And I just rededicated my life to God. And, you know, ever since then, like Danielle said, of course, I was raised in church. But after that, it really became personal to me and my life. And I really took it by the horns and really was spending time with God praying. You know, I, I really got involved in the church and started to get mentored by people who were in the church. Older men were talking to me, having groups and just, you know, getting back to my roots and Ever yeah. since then, I've been, you know, keep kept on going. No doubt. Yeah. Well, I've I've certainly been proud to know you and been proud of what you've accomplished. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about what you're doing now too. But, uh, uh, well, you know, uh, as far as the drums go, uh, I'm pretty much a garage drummer. But <laughs> uh, when I did live in Chapel Hill, you probably didn't know that I did play the drums in church for about three months. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, but you know they wanted me to play them those electronic drums real soft, and I wanted to go Kirk Franklin on it. <laughs> and, uh, you know they wouldn't let me do it. So, uh, but I, I did have some experience with that. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so can can you talk a little bit about maybe both? You talk just a little bit about uh, the importance of having uh, both parents in the home. Yeah. Um. I mean, I. You know, you know, coach, we we live in a different world now, you know, and I mean, people are growing up in all types of of homes. And, you know, as a child, you can't control the house that you're born into. Um, But as an adult, you have a lot of say in the house that you will raise children into. And so um, I have seen the benefits of coming from a home with the mother and a father who number one, loved the Lord and also loved each other. Um, and that's one thing that attracted me to Richard because he came, our backgrounds were similar. Um, you know, his, his mom and dad, um, he was, he was raised in a loving home and it, it truly is God's design. Um, you know, and it just, you know, even if we take like, even if we just take Christ out of it, <laughs> two is always better than one. Just, you know, two is better than one because you can get so much done. You can go further. Um, you know, you have someone that you can bounce ideas off of. So let's just pretend for a moment that God didn't even exist. It still makes sense to have a partnership. And when you have a man and a woman, those strengths they just build off of each other. Like I'm, I'm strong where he's weak and he's strong where I'm weak. And so we just, we just build off of each other. And then you just bring in that God factor. The fact that God has the the final say, like he's leading our home and then we're looking up to him. So we get our inspiration and our, our, our source of strength from him. It doesn't mean that, we're perfect. My parents weren't perfect, but 
my parents, um, you know, I think about my teammates from East Carolina. I think about my teammates from high school, my teammates from AAU, my teammates from even when I was playing a little overseas. Um, they always ask me how my parents are. And uh, I mean, but it's not just me. My siblings, I'm the middle of five. And so um, my brothers, my brother says this, my brother's friends say the same thing. Like my sister's friends, they will go visit our parents, even though we don't live there anymore. They'll say, you know, I stopped by to see your mom and dad because they have been such a pillar of leadership and unity for so many other people. And, um, and that's really what the scripture talks about. You know, God wants that marriage. That marriage is supposed to be a reflection of how Christ loves the church. And so when you see two people, two imperfect people who can keep it together and stay together, the world is attracted to that, you know. And um, again, it doesn't mean perfection, but it gives you inspiration and hope. And, you know, I, I felt really covered at home. I, I felt really covered and protected. And it allowed me to really, like I could focus on my schoolwork and basketball. I didn't have to think about things that a lot of my teammates, um, you know, when I got to know my teammates, they started sharing some of their stories. And I was just shocked because my parents kept me, they took care of a lot of like, they, I don't want to say shelter me, but they did, you know, people kind of yeah. use that as a, as a negative. Oh, she was sheltered. <laughs> I mean, this world is a storm. So you would you would hope that a child could be sheltered from this world. And um, that's I think that was the beauty of, of growing up in my home, um, having a strong man um, who led our family, having a mother who honored and loved my father um, is giving me a blueprint that I'm trying to live out, you know, with Richard. Um, I think for me, um, it definitely was important to grow up in a two-parent household. Um, like I, I tell sometimes, I tell people all the time, like, man, I don't know what it's like to not have a father. Like my father's been in my life. I know that seems weird to say, but I just don't even know what it's like to asking somebody what it's like to not have oxygen. Like, I just don't know what it's like. And, right. um, and I appreciate that. I think growing up, it definitely was important because um, my mom, man, I know we could have got away with a lot of stuff if my dad was not there. I mean, you know, sometimes boys pull on their mother's hearts and uh, it, it definitely would have been, a, I feel like it would have been a lot more challenging because, you know, we just knew, I just, I was the, I'm the youngest. So I knew how to ask my mom for things and, but I knew I had to go past my dad and, yeah. you know, he wasn't going to let that happen. Um, I was talking to my cousin the other day and I was just telling him, I was just like, there's such a freedom you have. I feel like when there's two parents in the home, because a lot of times when men, I hear oh, men talk, you know, now that are my age to talk about how they feel like they have to go back and take care of their mother. I've never had that feel. I don't, I've never had known what it's like to have to feel like I need to take care of my mom. So that allowed me to be free to, go and play sports and, you know, go and try things and do things and not have to worry about yeah. taking care of home. There's even athletes now, you know, even where I'm at now, they, man, I got to go help my mom. I got to 
You know, I, I never had to do that. My dad just wanted me to go. You know, um, when I got done, <laughs> when I got done um, at East Carolina, I moved back home and I was staying there with my dad. And um, my dad said, man, you need to leave. <laughs> he, he was just, he, he wasn't saying it negatively like I need to get out of the house. He just didn't want me to get stuck being yeah. back home. He was just like, you need to go. If you can do anything, you need to at least go back to Greenville where there's a college and there's people your age. And, you know, and just to have that that mentorship and that leadership and to even have someone believe in you. Um, it, it just it just means a lot when you know you got somebody that, that has your back. I remember um, when I, you know, there were different leagues have popped up since NFL Europe has gone away. And I remember there was a certain league that popped up and they had a tryout in Texas. And I, man, I didn't have the money to go. And I remember my dad, he just pulled up like he had like my dad saves money different places, but he had like three hundred dollars and like some old books. He he always said, when I die, don't throw my books away because I might have some money in there. So so he he pulled out like three hundred dollars and paid for my ticket to go for a tryout. And that tryout ended up getting me a tryout with the Carolina Panthers. So I just think about my father being in my life. He's not, my mom talks a lot. She talk, 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 but my dad doesn't say much, but when he says something that's impactful and he moves in a way that, that uh, protects you and, and he, and he always has your back. Gotcha. That's a good idea. I'm going to, I might take him up on that, put a little money in my books. Uh, <laughs> You got a lot of books, Coach. You yeah, give me a thousand dollars. A few hundred dollar bills for a rainy day. <laughs> right. Uh, well, Danielle, you've had a lot of success with uh, your own education. Uh, and just talk a little bit about that, the importance of it, and what you've accomplished uh, from that standpoint. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I say it, basketball is my first love, but it's probably my second love compared to books because I've always been a bookworm. You know, uh, even even in college, on the way to the basketball games, I'd be reading a book on the bus. Um, so I knew um, I've always been really I'd probably be a, a lifelong student if I could be. Um, but can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I just think it's just really, you know, there's a lot around surrounding college sports now with, you know, NIL deals and all the money that athletes can make. But uh, I still think the major value and benefit is being able to get an education and also the relationships that you build. And so for me, you know, I always tell Richard, like I, I was jealous kind of the football players because they got like five years. I was like, man, if I had five years, I'd have a master's. I'd probably be already <laughs> working on my PhD. You know, I was always telling him, like, you guys had it made. And I was like, it took you five years, like you red shirt and you still barely graduated. So I would always joke on the football players like, man, they got five years and they're barely graduating. So forgive me. Uh, but, you know, the, the reality is, though, like there's so many people around the world and even in the United States who would love to be able to, you know, play the game yeah. and get a degree at the same time. So I'm a really big advocate for, um, you know, maximizing your education. Um, you know, that's the main thing that we're doing with the kids now. Um, yeah. 
you know, people, people will come up to us and say, Oh, they're going to play football and you know, look how tall he's going to be. And, you know, they, they do all of that, but honestly I could care less. Like I want them to be educated. I want them to know how to read and I want them to know how to conduct themselves in a way that, that they'll be um, world changers, that they'll be able to travel abroad and, and go different places and not be intimidated. So that's that's the main thing, pushing education. And what are your degrees? So, so I have a, two masters. I got an undergraduate degree in English and biology. Then I have two masters and I'm a PhD candidate right now in sociology. And, and I'll, I'll be done at the end of, of this year, graduating next May. That's awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, don't okay, talk. So, to, don't talk to me about that. I don't. <laughs> well, Richard, you know I've had I've had an opportunity and uh, the privilege of mentoring you a little bit with your current uh, position. So you know, go ahead and talk about the fact that you are the strength and conditioning coach at uh, Fayetteville State. Yes, yeah, so uh, I am currently the strength and conditioning coach at Fayetteville State University. In this past year, I was so happy we won the CIAA championship. Our head coach had been to the championship four years in a row. And this past year, he was out, able to win it all. So um, it's kind of been a long journey. I'll just piggybacking off the conversation we had earlier. Like, you know, I, I was I was a firefighter and then I was a logistics supervisor at, at Nestle. And I did all these jobs. And every time I was at this job, I would be looking at strength and conditioning books. And then, you know, I was competing in the Olympic weightlifting like you were talking about. And I was... And looking, I'd always be trying to do things. And my wife was just like, stop, you know, doing all this other stuff and do what you're passionate about. And uh, I finally, you know, buckled down and studied for my CSES and was able to pass. And the athletic director at Fayetteville State University gave me an opportunity and I really appreciate it. And and, uh, just to piggyback off one of the questions you asked earlier, I just remember being at the fire department and hearing those guys talk about how passionate they were about going in those fires and, you know, and the equipment they used. And, and I just remember being at table saying, man, I'm not that passionate about, you know, and that just let me know, like, uh, you need to be passionate about what you want to do in life. And if that's what I'm like, everywhere I went, people would want me to train them and I would help them. And that's what I was passionate about, but I just didn't necessarily have the courage to go step out there and do it. And that's why, it's, you know, it's good to have a, a good wife to be able to see, you know, some of the things you, you know, you, your habits and the things you're passionate about to push you a little bit sometimes. So I just stepped out. And, Wait, uh, the, the real reason, Coach, is I was tired of him trying to train me. <laughs> <laughs> he kept, he kept yeah. practicing on me. You know, <laughs> if, if I said, oh, my shoulder. The next day, he'd have like five exercises for me to do, and he'd send me a podcast to listen to. And you know, you need to eat. Then he'd make me one of those nasty shakes in the morning. I was like, okay, you know what? You need to go do, do this for somebody else. Right. Yeah, right. I've been married for thirty-five years, and I trained my wife one time. That's it. <laughs> so that's as far as that went. <laughs> right, but uh, I did recently buy her a leg press machine, my little gym in the garage. So, yeah, uh, that is one machine that she does like. <laughs> so, uh, let's talk a little bit about your children and mm-hmm. uh, 
just tell me a little bit about what they're into right now and um, kind of what they're uh, what what they're doing academically and you know how, how's all that uh, going for you? Yeah, well, we have three kids. We have an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, our, our boys. We have two boys and our baby is a girl. So Sarah just turned three. Um, so we have just, um, so every summer we do what I call Kuntz Academy. And, um, you know, that's just basically reading. We try to take them on trips to museums and different things and, you know, do a little math, but do some art. We just really want to just really kind of create a foundation in them for learning. Yeah. Um, you know, and sometimes they'll complain. It's like, no one else is doing this. I was like, <laughs> well, you know, we're not supposed to be like everyone else. Um, and so we recently have introduced sports. Last year was their first year. We've done uh, Richard coached them in uh, flag football. <laughs> and that was really <laughs> interesting. I coached them in um, basketball, and then my son did base. One of my the middle boy he did baseball, Jimmy. So, um, you know, we definitely can, you know, we can look at them and we can definitely see that they have lots of athletic ability. Um, you know, so it's God given, um, it's a blessing, and we're aware of it. Um, and so we really um, are constantly talking to each other and praying to make sure we don't want to push them. We want them to develop their own athletic careers because our parents didn't push us. Yeah. You know, they let us figure it out. Um, and so that's what we're letting them do. They actually had gymnastics um, tonight. So Richard is really big on, he wants the boys to be flexible. He really believes in flexibility. Yeah. So um, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm with you. Yeah. Right. So, um, so they really enjoy it though. And, and they are, um, I mean, wow. I'm really impressed at what they're learning and, and they seem to enjoy it. And so right now we're in the stage where we're just going to continue to expose them to as many different sports as they can. So we're, we're doing soccer and tennis and we're going to just let them, um, and we also need to do track. Um, right. So we've had some people tell us like about one of our sons, like, man, he's got a great, he really does. He really can naturally run. And um, so we're trying to, you know, we're, we're trying to keep our ears open to, um, you know, when people give us some wisdom, we're, we're trying to listen. Yeah. And um, you know, we're trying to also, um you know, not try to make them be LeBron James either, Right. you know, we, sure. yeah, because uh, we, we've seen, we've had lots of, of friends and we know lots of athletes um, who've had to deal with that pressure of, you know, yeah. the parents basically telling them you've got to do this and you've got to do it for me. And, um, you know, we don't want to do that. Our biggest thing now is um, our kind of the motto we're using is be a good teammate. Even if it's not your favorite sport, be a good teammate and do your best. Right. And I think um, like me and Danielle made a little pact that we, you know, she would handle the education part and I would handle the training part. So, but I don't force them to play any sport, but I do kind of force them a little bit to work out. 
Cause I just feel like, <laughs> you know, I don't, I just, you know, let's go out and do a little weight. So I got a little yeah. two pound dumbbells and I just want them to be okay with exercise and not just for their long-term health. So we get out there and we run a little bit and I, and I make it fun. You know, I make them cause you know, they're only like 18 months apart. So I'll make them like chase each other in a race and, you know, jump over stuff. And I really working on some, um, so some potentiation. I'm working on some stuff. They don't know it, you know, when they're doing their jumps and <laughs> I'm doing that single leg hops and all that stuff. But I just try to make it fun for them, um, you know, when they're training. And we might go at about five minutes and they'll get bored and I, you know, we'll be the end of it. I just want them to be okay with exercising. I saw you teaching them how to tackle with those cowboys <laughs> on that video. So. Yeah, I just I realized, man. Near shoulder, near leg, is that what it was? Yeah. yeah there you go. I just I need to let somebody else do that because I was I was getting a little too frustrated. Yeah, we've learned quickly already. Um, when he did flag football, and when I when I coached him in basketball, that we might be the parents who need to let someone, if they really do get serious about it, we need to get someone else to train them because um, I really tip my hat to the the coaches who are also parents to their players because that's, that's, a, that's a tough position to be in. And then my expectations for them are so high, even with, even with basketball. <laughs> I, I mean, I was just, I was, I didn't realize I was fussing at my son, but I was like, get the rebound. And he looked at me and he said, mommy, what's a rebound? <laughs> you know? um, so, you know, we, we, um, we realize we're probably going to have to bring in um, some people to train, but, you know, we do want them. Part of our motto is uh, play. Yeah. And so we do want them to be healthy and, and have a healthy respect for exercise. So we run and walk and, and one of them seems to really enjoy weights so we, we kind of keep our eye on that. Um, he'll, he'll go out there and do it himself. And, you know, we're just going to kind of just keep watching and, and see what they grow to be. So we're just excited to see what right. they'll be down the road. Right. Well, I think the younger kids, too, uh, I've always gotten a lot of satisfaction out of that because, you know, moving to the collegiate level, of course, I was there for three decades. But uh, you don't quite get the level of appreciation. uh that you get at the high school level or, uh, you know, now I've even, uh, I do a couple different things on a side here, but I train a little 10 year old kid. And, uh, so I said, uh, I'm going to give you this medal and you're going to have to earn this medal every day. I went and got him a medal and it's the uh, full speed, every rep medal. Yeah. So if you're full speed, every rep, Right. Get the, the ceremony and the medal around your neck at the end of the workout. If not, I take the medal home with me. <laughs> so uh, that has worked really well. The first time I showed up with that medal, I mean, this kid was full speed now. Coach, am I earning the medal? Am I earning the medal? You know, and, uh, so now I might have like a weekly trophy if he gets all his workouts. So if he earns a medal for all workouts, then he'll get the trophy also for the week. So, yeah. so I've got, got some ideas there. But it's, uh, you know, it's always very rewarding to me to just influence somebody. You right. know? So uh, <clears throat> I think that 
uh, well, sometimes we don't understand how much we impact people, you know. Right. And yeah. I, I mean, you just speak about influence. I just think about when you when you left to go to Carolina, that's how strong your influence was that the guys who were there were telling us about you to the degree that we were like, man, we got to go find this guy, <laughs> you know, that, you know, that. <laughs> so we had to go find, find this guy. I know uh, you probably don't know this, but coach Witten had a little bit of a hard time with those seniors. Like they really, they really appreciated what you did for them. Uh, they were very resistant, <laughs> you know, as freshmen, we didn't know no better, but those older guys were resistant that your, your influence definitely spans over lifetimes and decades for sure. Well, I really appreciate that. That's what it's all about. Um, well, uh, maybe just one or two more things here before we wrap it up. Uh, we talked a little bit about it, mentioned the uh, the transfer portal, and uh, I got on Facebook today and said my little deal, got it <laughs> off my chest. Uh, and so, uh, but – you know, money is important and money is attractive. And I see some of the money that some of these guys are being offered now. It'd be very hard to turn that type of money down because you can obviously take care of your family to some extent as well. Right. Uh, but at the same time, I think there are a lot of people entering this portal. Uh, and I don't think they really know what they're going to end up getting paid. Right. And, um, so what I did is I listed a few reasons why, you know, you should stay at East Carolina. Mm -hmm. Talking about the community, uh, talking about the degree, you know, talking about, I mean, you know, what, uh, what are some of your, you know, most favorite moments and times from ECU or what, what can you relate to someone who's contemplating leaving or staying for instance? Yeah, um, I can definitely speak to that. You know, I follow women's basketball. Um, I don't miss a game, put it that way, even though I haven't been to a game in a while. I don't miss a game because I always check the ticker. I always check the box score. I follow the players. And um, I've seen what's happened in even women's basketball. Um, there's been a few players who I was like, yes, you know, yeah. we're finally getting that foundation. And then next thing I know, they've entered the portal, um, they're transferring. And, you know, obviously, I don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but I do know I'm old enough to know this. Um, there's no shortcuts in life, you know. Um, and what I've seen, I've seen those same players. I'll go follow them at their new schools and they're not even starting anymore you know, or their stats are down, um, the team's not doing well, and they were right on the verge of something really big and something really great. And that's what I think um, ECU has to offer. Like all the components are there. The foundation is there. Um, and it's just a matter of you sticking, just sticking it out. You know, very few freshmen have stellar very few freshmen have stellar Mike Vick kind of years. If you remember <laughs> Michael Vick as a freshman at Virginia Tech, there's a few there's a few people who have just stellar freshman years where they're just playing all the minutes they want to play and everything's going great. 
And so I, I think the challenge is just going to be um, you're going to have to really get the parents involved because, you know, parents are dictating a lot more. Um, you know, my parents, basically, I, I told my parents, well, mom, we've got visits here and they pretty much put me on the plane by myself. Yeah. Um, you know, like they were really hands off. Uh, what you're seeing today is completely different. Um, but I, I do think that you really have to count the cost and just know, I think what concerns me um, is that it sends the message that you can just quit and go somewhere else. Right. And so, you know, we're up here talking about marriage and I was talking to Misty about this as well. It's going to be really hard for this generation to know what it means to push through because we we've given them so many options to just throw in a towel and then go someplace else. And they're going to face the same problems, right? You know, it's the oh, same yeah. thing. That, it's the same thing they say in marriage. You, you, Oh, I'm going to get a new spouse. And then you get with that spouse. And in a couple of months, you're like, Oh, the same stuff that I was dealing with the other time. And so um, I, you know, I really want to encourage athletes to really think this thing through because to me, ECU is a place where you get to shine, you get to thrive, you have the whole city behind you, the whole community behind you. Um, right. You know, you're in a competitive conference, um, but it's also a conference that you can stand out in. And uh, I just think um, it's a jewel of a place to be, you know. So I'm always pushing for um, young women to really think about giving East Carolina a chance. And, um, you know, what I'll tell my children, if we um, ever have any of them who make it to the collegiate level, um, we're going to talk a lot about commitment because yeah. you told this team, you know, first of all, you're playing for the school. Um, you know, Richard and I, we are both um, athletes who experience coaching changes. So <laughs> yeah. coaching changes are tough. Like, I, I, I totally get that. So we're, we're, we're going to talk to our children a lot differently um, because, you know, I don't know if we're going to push our children to play for a coach. We're going to focus our children around playing for a school because that makes a big difference. And so that's how I talk to people. You know, I've, I've been at ECU um, and even following women's basketball, we've had several coaches um, since I was there. So I always focus with talking to the girls about the beauty for playing for East Carolina University, you know, yeah. and um, and that's probably where I'll I'll stick to because I think we're I think we're hitting treasure, um, you know. I think we have we have great facilities. The facilities are amazing, you know. Um, the last time I was down there, I just couldn't believe what they had done. Yeah. Um, but we also have really good coaches and we also have great support. So, you know, obviously NILs and, and the money, I don't think it's impacting women's basketball and women's sports like it is, um, you know, football. Um, some of these, if, if it is true that some of these guys are, are signing million dollar and upward deals that, you know, that's incredible. Um, but even then you really still, you still got to think about 
there's so many intangibles that go into it, you know, and just because you thrive in one setting doesn't mean that you're going to thrive in another setting. And I've seen that happen. I don't know how, you know, I can't really speak to football. I'll let Richard speak to that, but I've seen in women's basketball, you know, uh, you, you hit that transfer portal and that coach has a different goal in mind for you than you had. And that coach is going to win out for the most part. And so just having those tough conversations, um, but, you know, I, I really kind of hate what's happening to college sports in that respect um, because it's, it's just hard to build consistency. And you see coaches losing jobs over this, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, because they're getting blamed for it. But um, hopefully, you know, I hopefully we can if we can get to the parents, I feel like the focus really needs to be at this point on the parents as opposed to the players because the yeah. players are young. But um, if we can get guidance to the parents, I think it. I think it will. It will help a lot. I think uh, if I'm speaking to anybody that's that's thinking about leaving or staying in the transfer portal, I would just talk to them about how special of a place East Carolina is. The family, uh, the camaraderie, the the community. I think it's like none other. Um, I can't speak for this era, but I just feel like you know when I was playing and. The time in the time before when I was playing, guys came to East Carolina and they built a loyalty to East Carolina because East Carolina took a shot on them. You know, when I was playing, there was a lot of prop 48s and, you know, these guys would have been left to not going anywhere. And or you got guys who had, you know, like Coach Logan was talking on your podcast the other day, how you might have been 6'6, 215 pounds, but. You didn't know, no, you, we didn't know where to put you. So East Carolina took a shot on you and built you up and made you stronger or gave yeah. you a chance to graduate. And that built a loyalty. And that made you not want to leave because you were like, man, this school took a chance on me. This community rallied around me. Everyone around helped me, you know, to do what I needed to do. And that made you want to stay. Um, I think we have we have a group of athletes now, you know, with the facilities we have. And they benefited from those guys who pushed and, and, you know, brought things together. But I just, you know, I just think, man, people have to think about, you know, the sacrifices that people have made in the community that's around them. You know, that's really impacted me. Just being in that community, the love that's there, it's, it's like none other. Well, I appreciate those viewpoints. Uh, we're going to go ahead and close it out here. I know that uh, you had to fix dinner, get everybody to bed. <laughs> and uh <laughs> but I really appreciate y'all being on the show. I just love you guys and I just think you're such a great example to to everyone uh you know with regard to uh, building a family, what you've done with your careers, your education and uh I just I just really appreciate you very much. And Thank so you, uh Yes sir. And uh, so this is Jeff Connors uh, signing off for Absolute Empowerment. God bless, and we'll see you all next week. Thanks a lot. Thank you.